Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Welcome to Tuesday. We have a lot on the agenda. Jackie Heinrich from Washington. Big news with the president and big news on the debt ceiling. We hope as negotiations heat up on the right and soon on the left. Alan West at the bottom of the hour as we get set in a couple of weeks to get rid of Title 42. And they expect 11,000 a day just in Texas to come here illegally. Don't tell me that the border is not going to be an issue in 2024. So a lot to discuss. And we also have the president of the United States will participate in a visit with the president of South Korea. Very important ally in the area. They're going to go to the Korea War Memorial at some point. Mike Pence will speak at the Federalist Society. He's probably a couple of weeks away from making it official. He's running for president. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Do you regret attending the gala last month and taking photos with a suspected CCP agent? Today, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer refused to answer our questions amid mounting scrutiny over his appearance last month at a gala alongside suspected Chinese communist government agent Harry Liu Zhenhuang. Wake up, Chuck. The China threat is everywhere as photos emerge of Chuck Schumer awarding a China uh, enforcer spy a whole group with an award. Later, we find out their Chinese cops set up in New York City to try to clamp down on Chinese citizens. Also, China's war of words over AI and more. Number two. If you look at the evidence of what all the Biden family has gotten away with thus far, uh, there are very few third world countries that would allow their leaders to get away with the things that the Biden family has gotten away with. They're about it's all closing in, I believe. Congressman James Comer doing a good job. Hunter Squirrel of Controversy envelops the son and soon to be his dad as his ill-advised personal transgressions come back to plague him and his family. What it means for the Dems and the Biden family and how is how his lawyer, Hunter's lawyer, is fighting back. Number one. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America. And we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do, too. Yeah, nice music. It's on. Joe uh, going to give it another go and made it official, announcing his re-election campaign in a slick video. Nothing live, nothing elaborate, no Dem debates also. By the way, Governor DeSantis sharpens his his foreign policy skills in the Far East. Nothing is official, but, man, it can't be far away. Know what he needs? He needs the Florida legislature to come out and say, you're allowed to be governor and run for president. As soon as they do that, it's going to be game on. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But first things first, this is kind of the president's day. Even though the whole debt ceiling, defaulting on our good line of credit is staring us straight in the face, even though there's about five, at least five Democratic House members, Joe Manchin on the Senate side, 
indications to other senators, too, who want the president to negotiate with Kevin McCarthy on this? President's not budging so far. So there's a lot of drama. But in the meantime, we're seeing the president's poll numbers dropped. He's at 41 percent approval on NBC. Only 26 percent want him to run again. So their answer on the Biden administration is just to quickly declare reelection and back off any threats. Here's a little. I'm not going to pay much of it. It's not that good. But here is the president's campaign release video. Cut to. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America. And we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. This is not a time to be complacent. And it's official. Jackie Heinrich from the White House now. Jackie, so there's the flourish. We we were promised to tape. Is that all we can expect today? Good morning. Sorry. Excuse me. Frog in my throat. Good morning, Brian. It's allergy season. It's not your fault. Oh, my gosh. It's killing me, man. Um, Well, speaking of, um, you know, things getting started today, I mean, the president's video is really kind of a surprise because we were long told that we would see this big rollout, uh, that he would have a blitz of appearances across the country touting his achievements uh, and then some big event. And now all of that discussion has shifted to a ramping up effort. Um, So this video uh, is all that we expect today. We've not been told that that there's any sort of big event going along with it. And it's interesting to me because, you know, for all of the all of the things we were told about how this would come and when it would come and, you know, why it was being delayed, because there were we've talked about this before, initially some expectation that he would announce shortly after the State of the Union and then we were always told it would probably be in April, um, and it would give them time to do all these things, to do, do the blitz of states' uh, appearances and, and to uh, let Republicans, you know, get themselves into some trouble, you know, negotiating over the debt ceiling and whatever else, um, you know. Fighting with each other. Expected, yeah, expected that to happen. Um, you know, this video hits all of the things. He, he could have written this six months ago. It hits January 6th, abortion equity, MAGA extremists, cutting Social Security and taxes. I mean, this this could have been scripted in, you know, right after the midterms and, and held. So I'm surprised that it came out as it did. Uh, and it was just this. He's coming out. He's going over to Japan soon, right? He He's meeting with the South Korea leader today. So he's got a debt ceiling debate, which I'm, uh, excuse me, yeah, uh, negotiation, which I don't think he wants to take part in. But it's absolutely an issue defaulting on our debt, being that he is the president. So I do think there's some legitimate issues that he's got to tackle uh, right away this week, including what the House is going to do if they're going to pass it through the Senate. But for the president of the United States, do you think that those polls that we watch meet the press, face the nation, Fox News Sunday, all tout one thing, that the president's popularity is waning among Democrats? Does that matter to those in the White House? I don't think it does, um, because I think they, they think this election is all about Trump. Um, and you can see that evidenced in this video. You know, the, the first images, first few seconds of this video announcement video is January 6th footage. And Trump is right now the you know only candidate in the race. And this is shaping up to be a rematch of the 2020 election. So their biggest bet is that Joe Biden has a proven track record of having beat Donald Trump. And that's the best thing they've got going for him. So that's what they're, you know, paying attention to the most. I would argue that I, I think it's, Strangely timed, um, you know, 
is he just so superstitious that he wants to announce on the four-year anniversary of his you know, 2020 campaign launch? Is he not paying attention to some of these other things? You know, why didn't we see a big announcement? Why didn't we see, um, you know, the, the travel that he said he was going to do? Why didn't they do this a little bit differently? It, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I mean, some people, skeptics will say, well, does this have anything to do with the uh, lawsuits that his son is facing? Is there something to that? We don't know. They won't talk to us about that. All we know is, you know, this is the manner that they chose. And it kind of went out with a, a whimper instead of a bang. A uh, couple of things. When we look at what's happening now with the son, Hunter Biden's investigation, we see Abby Lowell, a high, pro- high profile attorney, first off, say, make it a big deal, say, I'm going to sue the computer shop owner for making public Hunter Biden's laptop, which they never admitted was theirs. Now he's pushing back uh, threatening law legal action against Marjorie Taylor Greene and a staffer with the Trump team. So is Abby Lowell working in conjunction with the White House? And is there any worry that you could see about this investigation getting to the president being that his up to 12 family members seem to have been flagged for some type of concerning activity, banking activity? You know, I, I can't obviously predict without a crystal ball. I, I will say there has been no shortage of efforts to try to tie this to Joe Biden for many years. Um, it's always come up short. I, I think that, you know, no one can look at this family and say that Hunter Biden isn't riddled with issues and that there aren't issues probably, you know, branching out to many, many other members of the family. I mean, Joe Biden's brother has been, you know, a, a frequent Sort of uh, character and a lot of these oversight uh, request uh, documents and, and things like that. So I, th- I think we're probably going to see more. But I would be surprised if there was something connecting Joe Biden, because at this point, you know, they've sort of overturned every rock and, and there hasn't yet been, you know, been that evidence. And there have been no shortage of people trying to tie it to Joe Biden. Um, you know, really hell bent on, on making that case. It, it just hasn't happened yet. So I'd be surprised, but you never know. I want you to hear what uh, James Comer said yesterday, because, you know, this is the first time they've had access to subpoena power and access to bank records. Cut 12. We're continuing to subpoena bank records. We're continuing to follow the money. That's what our investigation is all about. This is an investigation of Joe Biden. But what we're finding is it's a, it deals with a lot more than just the president's son and the president's brother. Uh, we believe there are even more Biden family members that we just haven't identified transactions yet. Uh, look, we went into this thinking that there were, you know, a, a handful of banks and a handful of LLCs. But uh, the number of banks, the number of LLCs, the number of accounts and the number of Bidens continues to grow each week. So this is a very complicated family scheme. Uh, you could say it looks like organized crime, but because it's a Biden, it would be disorganized crime. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see where it goes directly. Uh, I also know, too, what is the situation with Hunter Biden is uh, is staying at the White House, some say to avoid being served from the mother of his his out of wedlock child? You know, I've I've seen mention of that on, you know, a few different articles and some pundits online and things like that. We have a very, very difficult time getting answers about anything pertaining to Hunter Biden. Um, I will say, you know, if if Joe Biden sticks to his messaging and the White House sticks to their messaging that they've stuck to all along, which is that the president has never spoken to his son about his overseas yeah. business dealings. And, you know, I think that of, of anything that might crack, it might be that. 
um, we will we will see. But we don't get anything beyond just a doubling down of things that they have said before. Now, where that might change is the campaign uh, in 2020 spoke more freely about Hunter Biden because they had to. Now that Joe Biden announces a candidate, we'll have a whole different you know list of people that we can go to with these questions because you have folks in the White House who redirect things to the DOJ or to the White House counsel's office or to Hunter Biden's attorneys, and those are all dead ends. But now we've got a campaign to, to go to as well. So um, hopefully we'll get some better answers mm. there. And you know that the you know opposition is going to be working very hard to make this an issue that's front and center, and they're going to probably have to get better at answering questions about this. Debt ceiling debate uh, with Kevin McCarthy says, you know, he's pooped out 340 pages. He's wrangling together the Republican votes and uh, indications are he's going to get them. Once that passed the House, I was struck by how many people think on the left think that President Biden should negotiate with Kevin McCarthy from Joe Manchin to about four or five other House members. Are you getting the sense that it's not going to be as easy for Joe Manchin, excuse me, Joe Biden just to sit in the White House and say uh, it's up to Kevin McCarthy not to default on the debt? I do think that that is is going to fall apart because the expectation was that, you know, the, the, the White House was trying to show that Republicans couldn't agree on anything and that they wouldn't be able to pass a budget. They're going to be able to pass a budget. Um, even the folks who are, you know, sometimes vote no or lean no on these things see this as a volley, right? They know it's going to go to the Senate and it's probably going to come back. And, and so they're going to vote for this. Um, it's also, you know, Democrats don't want to see brinksmanship, especially from this president who they have always looked to as someone who is like the steady leader. Like that's that's the messaging that Democrats put out. They try to cast Republicans as, you know, chaos makers and and Joe Biden is the, the adult in the room. That's been their line for the longest time. So you can't in any good faith, um, you know, make that argument when Republicans have done what you've asked them to do, put out a budget and passed it. Now Joe Biden's going to have to come to the table. And I think it's also interesting to see, um, you know, Joe Manchin threatening to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. You know, I'm skeptical of Joe Manchin. Can he do that? Sometimes. I don't know that he could do that. He's he's saying that he would, would vote to do it. So a Republican would have to bring that bill to the floor and then it would have to get, you know, a vote. Um, I don't think Chuck Schumer ever brings that bill to the floor, but we will, you know, we'll see. And and I think it's interesting mm-hmm. how much how much Joe Manchin is interfacing with Republican members of Congress. Um, that sort of shows you where other Democrats who might not be as vocal about these things might be having conversations behind the scenes. In fact, here he was last night with Sean Hannity cut 19. Well, I can't tell you why, but I can t- tell you one thing. I've done everything I can to say that this is a responsibility, this is his job, this is the responsibility of the leader of the free world and definitely of the United States uh, president. Uh, he has to negotiate. This is what we're all about. We're the greatest deliberate body in the world, and that means you have to sit down and work, negotiate, come out with differences. If Kevin McCarthy is able to pass his legislation and send it to the Senate, there's a lot of good things in there that I know we can work with, and there's a lot of things I don't agree with. But you have to be able to start negotiations. And and the thing is, no one knows this better than you, Jackie. Uh, Senator Manchin's in trouble in West Virginia. And mm-hmm. if Jim Justice wants to run as a Republican, you know, in the sum of the polls, he's up by 20 points. So uh, whether he can go go on with Sean Hannity and continue to 
uh, talk to different audiences, or he could get trounced in a year. Yeah, I mean, remember, this is a state that Trump won by 40 points. And Joe, uh, Joe Manchin was riding pretty high, you know, bucking all of Joe Biden's proposals. And then he really, I, don't, I think he got ahead of his skis on the Inflation Reduction Act. You know, Build Back Better was dead. It was not coming back until Joe Manchin, either, you know, because he wanted a moment where he thought that he could, you know, reach out to a certain piece of his electorate and do something, um, you know, hoping that the permitting reform goes through or under, if he was under pressure from, you know, the, the White House, who know, who really knows what happened there. But he pulled this out and did it when no one was expecting anything to happen. And he's a smart guy. You should know if you don't get permitting reform in at the front end, you're not going to get it on the back end. So I think now he's doing a little bit of backtracking and trying to make this look like, you know, the White House screwed him, essentially, when really he kind of dug himself into this hole. So he's got a, a hill to climb um, when he's determining what he's going to do, um, you know, when, he, when he's up next cycle. Jack, I enjoyed our quality time. Did you enjoy it, too? I did. I, I love coming on your show. I'll come in any time. I'm at home right now. Are you really? You wanna, yeah, I don't get until 11 today. Oh, okay. I duty for you, Brian. Well, if you can give me, I will, I will sign your timesheet and get you that payment <laughs> for this 20 minutes. I appreciate it. Jackie Heinrich, and thank you. You. you got it. Thanks, Brian. Uh, she called me from home. I thought she was at the White House. She, and she is endlessly honest. When we come back, I'll take your calls. 1-866-408-7669. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Fox News Rundown. A contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. This involves many Biden family members. And for the IRS to just come in or the Department of Justice to just come in and cherry pick the president's son, that's not going to cut it. And to just cherry pick the president's son and say we're going to get you on tax evasion or some misdemeanor gun charge, that, that doesn't even scrape the surface of the potential wrongdoing that this family has done. So I think that uh, they've got a lot more complicated case than they understand what to fully uh, do with. So what they did is there's six separate areas which stick out right now where the vice president, now president, could have had policy affected by his business dealings. That's key. So why is it that two billionaires out of all the billionaires that were listed in Russia were not sanctioned last year? Happened to be two billionaires who had breakfast with Hunter Biden and may have had a deal with Hunter Biden. And there's more. I'll discuss that with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. So glad you're here. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show on Exciting Tuesday. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Every generation of Americans have faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. And this is our moment. So if you're with me, 
Go to JoeBiden.com and sign up. Let's finish this job. I know we can. Because this is but the I, United States. I mean, this is, this is a no. slick ad that was just put out. No formal announcement, even though he's president. No big rally because no one would show up. And after that trip to Ireland, who knows what he'll say in front of a big audience. So they put out an ad, whatever the strategy is, and that's it. This slick ad, millions of dollars went into it. Nobody ever thought the DNC was short of money. But I'll tell you, there's no energy in President Biden. you got to be telling me. that That's a voiceover. You do it as many times as it takes. And that's it sounds like he is, and I said this on TV, it sounds like he's reporting from a golf tournament. I mean, come on. I would say, excuse me, Mr. President, you got to show some energy. I've heard you yell before. But he basically just peters out. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. He's the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union. Congressman, welcome back. <laughs> it's good to be with you, Brian. Uh, I got to tell you, I fell back asleep just watching uh, that video come out this morning. Uh, I was, it was uh, bizarre because, you know, the music is there, this shot on film. And, but you don't see Kamala Harris almost at all. Quick shots. No. And then you see one shot, literally one frame of Joe Biden running. And he makes one step and he's gone again. And then you see him shaking hands, but you see the people more than you see him. So they're just basically trying to do what they did with Fetterman. They're just going to wheel him out and say, isn't he better than the alternative? Isn't he better than the Republicans? And find a way to wrangle those votes. And I'm not saying cheat either. Find a way to wrangle the votes. You know, find a way to go out there and just tell everybody that if you don't elect him, they're going to make abortion illegal and all women are going to die uh, with coat hangers. So that's what they're going to yeah. run. Yeah, and, and you saw that there. I mean, a three-minute video, and it is really the basement strategy all over again, and it starts with this announcement. Think about this. I mean, Biden goes away to Ireland for, what, five days, family vacation, really, you know, not, you know, speaking about any of the current issues. He comes back, goes to his beach house in Delaware, then he comes back to D.C. and, and really has been hidden. And then you put out a campaign announcement, three-minute video at, what, 6 or 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, they are really trying to hide him. And when you listen to the, the words of this video, it was nothing about the economy. It was nothing about our energy independence. It was nothing about our national security, foreign policy, the border. It's all about these things that the Democrats believe that they can leverage. Uh, and, and I don't think that murdering unborn babies up until the time of their birth, and even in California they're talking about murdering babies after birth, I don't think that uh, the sexualization of our children and the fact that the Democrats and Joe Biden has said that they don't support women's sports, that's not going to be a, a winning issue for them. So what they're trying to do is, you know, come out again with this whole defending democracy. But they're the ones that want illegals to vote. They're the ones that want to stack the Supreme Court. They're the ones that want to end the filibuster. So they're doing everything that goes against democracy to include uh, advancing censorship. And uh, and he wants to come out and say, look at all the legislation I passed. Number one, that was a year ago, and it was all done in the Senate. And I don't think many there's – there's not a Republican that – many Republicans that – we knew we had to do infrastructure as a country, but we didn't want to do it that way. Uh, number two is the thing that he passed, the Inflation Reduction Act. And you're going to tell me Joe Manchin, this guy is apoplectic, even though uh, he did so willingly. He was totally, he said, sandbagged in passing it, and that's what he wants to run on. Do you see what's happening to the world around us? 
Every, we're losing every continent before our eyes. No, you're absolutely right. And when you talk about this whole uh, infrastructure bill and the Inflation Reduction Act, that was just a backdoor means by which uh, they pushed this green energy plan. And, you know, we can counter that very easily by Joe Biden telling people with their pensions they can invest in the type of investments they want in our own energy independence. They have to invest in this environmental social governance uh, plan that is out there. So in no way, shape, form, or fashion, and he has anything positive. And, of course, all of this government spending has done nothing to help us with inflation. You know, inflation was 1.4% when he took over office. It reached a, a 50-year high of close to uh, 9.1%. And even still now, it's down to about 5%, but that's still nowhere near the 1.4% that he inherited. And look at our GDP and how that has fallen. So there is nothing real positive that Joe Biden can come out with, but all he can talk about is mega mega republicans extremists and i don't think that's a winning winning message all right so let's talk about the other side it looks as though working the phones the former president's doing a much better job wrangling surrogates and endorsements uh in you just got michael waltz obviously you got matt gates who's real both are very good friends with desantis now you have lee zeldin great friends with desantis he's going with trump you have chip roy and tom massey who have gone for DeSantis? I know it that very you know at the most at the least it's symbolism. At the most it could maybe sway some votes in Florida. Where do you stand, Colonel? Who would be a better nominee in your book? Uh, or there's a big field. There's Nikki Haley. There could be Tim Scott. Could be Mike Pence. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, where do you uh, Asa Hutchinson? Where do you stand? Well, you know, you also forgot uh, Steve Daines, the senator from Montana, who is the head of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. He went with Trump. Came out, uh, yeah, he went with Trump. Look, it's a two-person race. I don't care what anybody will say. Everyone else is there. Maybe they're trying to get some type of publicity. Maybe they're auditioning for a vice presidential role. But right now, Donald Trump owns the stage, and we haven't seen Ron DeSantis come in. I don't know if his official announcement will change things. But the key thing for President Trump is to learn the lessons about where he was not successful in 2016 to 2020. You can't go out there and pick fights where you don't need to pick fights. You can't go out there and drop grenades on yourself and lose your messaging. I have never seen a president that could go out there and have an incredible State of the Union address, but within 48 to 72 hours, he would completely change the narrative from his own success and his own policies. So I think that the president, uh, former President Trump, has to stick to the agenda, has to stick to his record that is out there and not get caught up in the Mickey Mouse back and forth. And, and I will tell you, it really wasn't a smart thing to come out of the Trump camp to say that Florida is one of the worst states in the United States of America. That's the state where President Trump has his current residence. And so why would he say it's one of the worst states? He doesn't mean so it either. Those type of things. It's not even true. I mean, it's, yet, you know he doesn't mean it. Yeah, so why say it? So, again, this is about discipline, uh, Brian, because what the the left has shown their hand, uh, the fact that you have uh, what Cesar Chavez's daughter and the campaign manager for Raphael Warnock, those are the two primary campaign managers for President Biden's reelection. You know exactly where they're going with this, and so you have to be able to beat them at their at the message, and you have to be able to drag them back to talk about the agenda, not the Mickey Mouse stuff. 
Uh, yeah, uh, and you know, I I do would love to have sit down in a conversation and say let's not even talk about the past. Talk about exactly what you're going to do. And Senator Grassley said yeah. that. Senator Grassley says I need to know. And by the way, he's 89. He's like I need to know what he's going to do. I know what he did. I need to know what is next. What I find interesting is that they're going to label use this label MAGA Republicans, MAGA extremists. Mm-hmm. MAGA. How do you feel about that? No, make America great again is a great slogan. But for moderates and independents, they say that they look at that as an extreme phrase. When you see that phrase, you, you think extremist. How do you battle that back? Sure. Well, I just put out a piece on townhall.com today talking about how you battle that back because the left is very good at uh, demonizing and denigrating and demeaning. Uh, and so we have to define what it means with America first. We have to define what it means to stand up for our own energy independence and say that those aren't extreme positions. We have to be able to define the left and what they're doing. If you want to talk about extremists, let's talk about Antifa. Let's talk about the fact that you have businesses that are closing in many of these inner city communities because of the violence that is out there. Let's talk about Jane's Revenge uh, that's going out there and attacking pro-life advocacy centers, firebombing them, vandalizing churches. That, to me, is quite extreme. So I think that the battle is about making sure that you can, you know, bolster your brand, but also undermine them and and their messaging. They're very good at coming out and changing language. Now we got gender-affirming care, and if you don't uh, allow your child to go out there and mutilate their body, you are not promoting health care for your child. Well, 18-year-olds and below can't even go out and get a tattoo. So how can we trust 18-year-olds and below to go out there and say, I want to mutilate my body? And so right. we need to take over the language and stop allowing the left to dictate the narrative. No, no, I hear you. And that, by the way, I think that's an easier, much easier issue. The abortion takes much more nuance. But in terms of uh, transgenderism, I think most of the American people say, how did we get here? This is telling yes. Obama had 75 percent of the Democratic Party supporting him at this time when he said, I'm going to get I'm going for reelection. It looked like uh, Donald Trump had 73 percent of his party. Bill Clinton, 50 percent of his party, obviously, was in the middle of a little bit of turmoil there. Joe Biden's got 38 percent of his own party. I'm not talking about the country. I'm talking about his own party. I mean, that has got to be jarring to people inside the White House. Now, we know Susan Rice left. Yesterday, mm-hmm. we know the chief of staff left three months ago. So are mm-hmm. they going? My question is, we don't know the answer to this. Are they going to the campaign to get him back? Or are they saying I'm jumping out while I can? I think they might be abandoning ship. But the bottom line is this, what the Democrats are going to do, they're not going to talk about what they're for. They're going to talk about what they're against. And that does not lend itself to being a winning message if, like we we just talked about, Republicans can have that positive message. Kind of like Ronald Reagan when he had that uh, commercial said it's morning in America. Yep. That's what people are looking for. And you, you talked about the tone of this announcement video from Joe Biden. It had no energy. It had no enthusiasm. It does not cause you to, to want to get out there and, and fight hard for this individual who seems that he has no enthusiasm whatsoever. 
whatsoever himself. And it was just a voiceover. Like you said, how many times did they have to do a take of, of that uh, that three-minute video? So I think this is a great opportunity for constitutional conservatives, for the Republican Party to come together, have a unified message, uh, and, and, and something that every single person from the president, uh, the vice presidential candidate, all down the Senate, House representatives, everyone, gover- right. governors, everyone can be on that on on the same sheet of music. The other thing is, uh, Colonel, like, you, this is what I think. You, but you're the, you you spend the time in politics. When you go and say Donald Trump didn't build the wall and he didn't drain the swamp, therefore he doesn't deserve re-election, that's a joke. And these are Republican attacks. Mm-hmm. You know what he did to build the wall. You know where he's not an absolute monarch. You know he had $1.8 billion and he needed 10 to 15. You know Paul Ryan was a speaker at the time negotiating to get defense build up. That's what Republicans always had to do. Finance defense in terms and I'll give you some social programs. And what they wanted to do is take his campaign issue away from him. And they go, well, get more next time. Him, Mitch McConnell. And then he said, I'm tired of waiting. I'm repurposing defense fund. So when Chris Christie, who I'm friends with, goes at him that way and those two things, and same with Chris Sununu, who I really like, I go, guys, that's a non-starter, and Republicans shouldn't be doing that. But that's just my view. No, they they shouldn't. Uh, And I will tell you, living here in Texas, we are seeing the ramifications of this open border policy with the fentanyl crisis, yeah. and, and this is a chemical that China is, is bringing across <laughs> into the country, the human and sex trafficking crisis, the uh, the crime and violence. We don't have operational control of our border. So what Republican would not want to see operational control of our border, protection of our national sovereignty, protection of the American people, and not being on the side of human and sex uh, trafficking slavery? So, again, this is a winning issue, and all Republicans should come together on this. Right. And Trump did a lot better job than this guy. He at least he tried far better. And remember, he sat there with the DNA kits because he didn't want to break up the families. That was her. uh, That was a a very poorly, uh, very poor idea. Break up a family. American people wouldn't tolerate that, although we seem to be tolerating uh, children working 24 hours a day in in these trial labor schemes that that took place in New York Times reported on last week. So then he said, "Okay, I'm bringing DNA kits. I'm going to find out if that person is, in fact, related to that child. And the minute they did, it all of a sudden got very organized. And after a while, they didn't even need the kit. They just needed the swab. And people were turning themselves yeah. in. Oh, it's not my kid. So they were yeah. doing everything. They fired three Homeland Security secretaries in order to get to the right one. And he got criticism for that. The, the President Biden doesn't even care. In fact, it was Susan Rice, according to this story today, that went on Bashera and basically called him totally incompetent that he's totally dropping the ball. And the reason everyone's coming is because we're too nice to them. These are quotes attributed to Susan Rice, who is a train wreck. So considering she had the heavy logical hand in that administration, you know uh, you know it's a mess. But listen, i got to take a time out. Colonel, always great to hear from you. My pleasure, and God bless, and keep up the fight. I'm heading down to the border for the next four days, so I'll uh, have a lot to talk to you about next week. Great. Uh, build the wall, all right, if you can. Back in a moment. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
Yeah, we are back just a couple of minutes there, but just so much to discuss in 2024. Big day because uh, Joe Biden makes it official. The more I think about it, why is he doing it now? I mean, what is the reason? I know technically you're going to have a debt ceiling debate. I know you're going to be going over to Japan and South Korea. But originally we heard about him three weeks ago. The president plans on letting Republicans beat each other up. And then I'll see in October what happened. My sense is the internal polls are worse than the polls we're getting. And they're worried about the Gavin Newsom's of the world. They're worried about uh, Governor Pritzker's of the world. They're worried about the Elizabeth Warren's of the world. The Amy Klobuchar. Remember, Elizabeth Warren started coming out like two or three weeks ago. And they know Kamala Harris is no threat, but they're trying to see if that's going to work itself out, if she's going to start finding her stride and she hasn't really had it. So now it seems almost a panic move. And I'll tell you, I, I don't like the video. I mean, my goodness, you could make anybody look like a like Johnny Unitas in the, the prime of his life or Michael Jordan or John Elway with the right production value. And the DNC's got the production value. Instead, they have a, a president without any timber in his voice. I mean, the things that you can do in audio to make someone have a bit of strength or reverb, people who are experts in this field, what was the rush? And now he's really not going to talk about it. He never talks to the press. So interesting that the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times said the same thing. If you're going to do the job, we need to see you doing the job. We know decisions are being made, but we see no trumpeting of those decisions. When's the last time you heard the president tell you why we're in Ukraine? When's the last time he talked about the need to support Ukraine? You might not like that war, but the person that does is in the White House. No one likes war, by the way. You might not like Americans support for that war. Explain it. Explain what you do with AI. Watching 60 Minutes, watching Elon Musk, ahead of Google. Talk about, you know, the dangers, the dangers and the excitement of AI. Well, where should we be? Where are the, where are the parameters on? Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. This hour, we're going to be joined by uh, Congressman Michael Waltz. Uh, he is all over taking private meetings, trying to stay up to date on what's happening uh, between the controversy in Florida with um, everyone being forced to pick a candidate. Is it going to be Governor DeSantis, has been officially declared, Donald Trump. Uh, then you have what's going on overseas, the Sudan evacuation, the Afghanistan situation, where we seem to be teaming with the Taliban to take out ISIS-K. Is that a joke? We see that how friendly France is being with China, and we see that China is trying to make uh, make big-time gains into Europe. But then they had their foreign minister come out and make a statement where, you know, we're not too sure that those states that emerged after the end of the Cold War are legitimate, like Estonia, Lithuania, Poland, and all these others. And then he quickly had to walk that back. Uh, China is getting more and more bold by the day. Are we ready for that fight? Ian O'Connor on Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, one of the biggest trades in a long time. And then we'll do a simulcast on Varney and Company. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Do you regret attending the gala last month and taking photos with a suspected CCP agent? Today, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer refused to answer our questions amid mounting scrutiny over his appearance last month at a gala alongside suspected Chinese communist government agent Harry Lu Jinwang. 
Wake up, Chuck. The China threat is everywhere. As photos emerge as Chuck Schumer awarding China enforcer and spies with awards while accepting contributions, they since said they'll give them back. Also, China's war of words over our AI technology. Number two. If you look at the evidence of what all the Biden family has gotten away with thus far, uh, there are very few third world countries that would allow their leaders to get away with the things that the Biden family has gotten away with. Hunter Squirrel of Controversy envelops the son and the dad as his ill-advised personal transgressions come back to plague him and his family. When it me- what it means for the Dems and the Biden family and how his lawyer, that's Hunter's lawyer, is fighting back. Number one. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America, and we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. That's the greatest Newt Rockney speech ever. It's on. Joe is going to give another go and making it official, announcing his re-election campaign hours ago. Nothing live, nothing elaborate, no Dem or Dem debate. Governor DeSantis, meanwhile, sharpens his foreign policy skills in the Far East, uh, noting his official launch is probably not far away. But as Congressman Michael Waltz knows of Florida, Congressman, welcome. Uh, first off, the, he, the Governor DeSantis is not going to run until they change the change the rules in, uh, in Florida, right, to make it so he can become remain governor while he runs. Right now, you can't yeah, do both. Yeah, that's right. Right now, uh, Florida has a resign to run. Uh, my understanding uh, from talking to some state legislators, and they're in session right now in Florida, is that uh, that law will be changed before the end of their session. And when would that session be in, uh, end? Uh, gosh, I should know that, Brian. That will be in the next uh, two weeks, I believe. Next two weeks. So the big yep. news today is uh, not a big secret, but it looks like President Biden uh, will give it another shot. Cut one. Freedom. Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red or blue issue. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms, cutting Social Security, that you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy, dictating what health care decisions women can make, banning books and telling people who they can love, all while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. Okay, I just write down a few things. First yeah. off, are you do you sense uh, that that's a good message? I, I don't think it's a winning message, Brian. I mean, he, he's going right to... Uh, right to social issues. He's looking backwards. Um, he's obviously going to make this about about President Trump, uh, and he's not crafting a vision for moving forward. Uh, I would have thought. Uh, I, I mean, look, not that I, I hope he does this, but I would have thought he would have been standing at a factory somewhere, maybe the new Intel chips factory that's opening in Ohio, swing state, talking about jobs, talking about STEM technology, maintaining America's lead in the world, uh, really crafting a forward vision and saying, hey, you know, from his perspective, I obviously disagree, but, you know, you you always want to point to things you got done and then talk about your second term, how you're going to build on that. Uh, But this was nothing live. (laughs) I think we all know why that was. 
and uh, backwards looking. Uh, and and so I just I think it's going to I mean, the thing I didn't even watch the whole thing. It was kind of putting me to sleep. Well, the thing is, it blows me away because, you know, you've tracked these. You've done run campaigns before. If you don't like the track, do sure. it again. He's got no energy in it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'll, I'll just do a promo at the end of this show and I'll say, oh, that's terrible. Let me do it again. Do the almost everything. So you go do it right. You do a book on tape. You got to get it right. Is that the best he could do? You have to listen yeah. to it because it's like he's at a golf tournament and he was told to whisper. And I, if I'm <laughs> if I'm his boss, if I'm his boss, I say, hey guys, uh, if I'm the director, uh, Mr. President, you got to do that again. You got to show some energy. These people got to vote for you. A couple of things you got to get used to. How are you going to handle Michael Waltz, that MAGA extremist? Every you know, oh, he supports or she supports Trump. They're a MAGA extremist. That's how you're going to be labeled. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what they're going to try to do, and clearly they've poll tested that, and and uh, they're going to try to to label that as um, as as an extremist. You're right. Uh, how am I going to deal with it? I think we have to continue to define uh, what that means uh, and what America First means and what a vision means uh, going forward. Getting us back to energy independence first and foremost. Uh, getting us to a pro-growth economy like we had pre-COVID when every single demographic category was at record low unemployment rates. Uh, like I said, you know, I was talking about STEM and trades. You don't have to go to a four-year liberal arts college and get a degree in medieval uh, you know, basket weaving. Uh, we can turn wrenches and build things again. You know, these are all things that uh, President Trump put in place uh, and that we need to, one, dig us back out of the hole that we've been dug in the last four years and then craft a vision for going forward. But so either run with the words or run from it, either run with it, embrace it or run from it, from it and make it to find what you want or right. run from it. Well, and things like the, you know, getting America, which I think really resonates with people back to a meritocracy. Getting America back to equal opportunity for all Americans rather than this obsession uh, with viewing the world through the lens of, of race and gender and, and, and sexual orientation. I think all of those things uh, are, are, going to, are going to resonate, and I'm looking forward to making that case. And a couple other things. Banning books? No. Appropriate books for the appropriate age. Is that banning books? When it comes to uh, Social Security, yeah, you could ignore Social Security, and it's going to be bankrupt by 2030. When he talks about tax cuts for the rich, it was a 1% tax cut. The major tax cuts in the tax cut program that Trump passed were much lower, and it was basically corporate right. tax cuts to make you more competitive with other corporations around the world. Around the world. That's right. And and we'll keep hammering home, Brian, that the top 10% of earners – uh, in the United States, pay 75% of our taxes. I mean, that's just a fact. We have a uh, we have a progressive tax system, uh, but you know that. I mean, that's just a lie that that they continue that the left continues to perpetuate. Well, by his so own, we'll keep putting yeah. the facts out there. His yeah. own son was two million dollars shy of paying his taxes, so he had a benefactor do that. So before he talks about people not paying taxes, maybe he should just look at his family album. Uh, that would certainly help. So uh, a <laughs> yeah. couple of things are, are happening right now. And maybe, and by the way, maybe his own Department of Justice should stop obstructing, illegally obstructing uh, that investigation, that IRS investigation. Uh, I've never seen the IRS take five years uh, to investigate someone for tax fraud and, and money laundering like they have with Hunter Biden. I'm, I, I think this whistleblower truly could be explosive. Well, uh, well we're about to find out. 
So what is your take on this police in New York City? There's a Chinese police force. They say there's at least six more across the country that crack down on their citizens and threaten them with uh, punishing their families back in China if they don't march to the same drummer, maybe do their dirty work for them. And it turns out there's video of them with Mayor Adams of New York and Senator Chuck Schumer not only getting donations but receiving plaques. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, well— we're going to have to continue to bang the drum uh, and put a spotlight on this stuff that the Chinese Communist Party has a state-sponsored, strategic, global uh, influence campaign. Uh, you know, they, they, they call it elite capture. They have a term for it. Uh, and we saw it with Swalwell, where they try to spot up-and-coming uh, politicians who may be sympathetic. Uh, we're seeing it now. It's, it's being uncovered in New York, where they cozy up, they provide campaign contributions, they get interns on staff, uh, and they basically co-opt uh, decision makers. And this is not just politicians. This is in academia, in Wall Street, in Hollywood, uh, in our research labs. I mean, it is truly across the board. In media, I mean, Brian, we talked about how uh, I uh, and others blocked and tackled Chinese-backed money from buying Forbes uh, so that that doesn't turn into a propaganda platform. We have TikTok uh, where they're influencing our youth. So we just have to wake up to what's going on, and the left wants to – for the life of me, they want to preach about social justice here in the United States but just ignore the greatest genocide since the Holocaust that's going on with their buddies – uh, in 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 ch- the Chinese government, and we're going to continue to expose them and name and shame. Uh, and finally, the Department of Justice started taking action to shut down these illegal uh, uh, police stations. Yeah, I would hope so. But we did identify that about two years ago. Here's uh, Governor Ron DeSantis from Japan yesterday. Cut seventeen. One of the things they complimented us on in Florida is I'm going to be signing legislation very soon eliminating the uh, the possibility of CCP land purchases in Florida. No farmland, no land near critical infrastructure, none. He was on with Sean Hannity last night. Can can you do that as a governor, and should we do that as a country? Are we at that point? Yeah, he can do that as a governor, and I'm looking, in fact, to mirror that legislation. Uh, a, a former Green Beret state senator in Florida is sponsoring it, Jay Collins, uh, we have that uh, that same language, and I'll be looking to introduce it in our defense bill as a first measure, and then going more broadly uh, from there. We have they're buying up not just our land, uh, but key elements of our food supply. Uh, they own one of the the Chinese money owns one of our largest pork processors uh, in in the United States. And look, a lot of these companies, Brian, this is what's so nefarious. They could have completely legitimate means, but under Chinese law, if the state tells them to shut it down or infect it or do anything, they have to comply. So, it, um, uh, so this is incredibly uh, – it's just incredibly disturbing that we've gotten this far, and I'm going to be doing everything, working with our China committee, working with our state legislatures that we can to roll it back. A couple other things. The debt ceiling is coming to fruition. Kevin McCarthy has a 300-page proposal he put out. He's got to make sure he's got the GOP caucus together. That means he's going to lose four votes. I'm seeing a lot of positive uh, messages from the people that usually give him a problem. What are you hearing about the debt ceiling and Republican caucus 
uh, passing this and getting it to the Senate? You know, we're literally counting votes as we speak. I think it has a lot of good uh, conservative, fiscally conservative uh, elements in it. Uh, We just cannot continue to we just can't continue to have blank checks. Uh, And that's what Biden and and Schumer and the Senate want. I mean, they're just going to literally spend us into oblivion. Biden has in his uh, in his rollout video that we're going after Social Security. Actually, they're destroying it. Uh, by doing nothing. They're literally allowing it to go insolvent, and that's unfair uh, to our seniors and future generations. So we've got to get it under control. And the biggest thing, the two biggest things, Brian, one is work requirements uh, for, for, for welfare, and number two is pulling back uh, a lot of these billions in unspent uh, COVID money. So th- these are completely reasonable, at Brian, and, and it is totally yeah. irresponsible for the president to just say, I'm not even going to negotiate. I'm not going to talk about it. You just sign uh, me over a blank check or, or, or else we default. That's, com- that's ridiculous. And, um, and, and so I think we're going to get it passed this week. Susan Rice is out. Evidently, she clashed with Xavier Peschera uh, for screwing up the border, berated him uh, for his incompetence. He's, she's also known to uh, rip everybody because they say it's too easy to get into this country and it's too attractive to stay. So this sounds a little like a Republican. I also know I want to know if I'm being spun by the by Rice proponents. But have you heard that behind the scenes? I haven't heard it behind the scenes, actually, Brian. That's the first I'm hearing in this reporting. Uh, and uh, I mean, I know I'm hearing behind the scenes and have been for the last two years that Susan Rice has her fingerprints everything on a lot of these foreign policy decisions and the domestic policy decisions and has a lot of one on one time with Biden. So if she felt that strongly and she has that kind of influence in the administration, why is he still doing nothing? And why is uh, Mayorkas still pretending like the border is secure? So something doesn't add up here. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not buying the spin, uh, but it is significant that she's leaving. There's something there's a lot more to that story. All right. He is Congressman Michael Waltz. He does not have a free moment. He's always working. Congressman, thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Brian. And, Talk to you soon. And thanks for coming on last night. Meanwhile, one 866 Busy half hour. I'll have your calls next. Then Ian O'Connor joins me from the New York Post. How does he feel about Aaron Rodgers shaking up football and going to the Jets? Are they now closer than ever to doing something they haven't done since 1969? Go into the Super Bowl. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. You know, the the poll numbers are, they're not what you want to go into a reelect with in normal times. That is an understatement. But these are not normal times, right? This is the, the, the electorate is still feeling very uncertain. If there was a Democrat out there who thought they could beat Joe Biden in a primary, they thought they could do better than Joe Biden in a general election, they would be running and they are not. Interesting. I mean, I was thinking that, too, if there was somebody. But you have to have that maverick gene because these 40 and 50-year-old and 60-year-olds say, well, listen, regardless, win or lose, Biden's done. So there's going to need be new, uh, there needs to be a new generation. And when I come up, I need to know that I got the backing of the establishment behind me. Why alienate people? So that's why uh, if there was a younger Bernie Sanders out there, Julia listening on FM News Talk 97.1 in St. Louis. Julie. Julie. Hi. 
Hey, I have a question. There are so many important stories that our corrupt media, media does not cover. Why doesn't a conservative, wealthy person buy ad time on shows like The View, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and just run simple documentary-type ads, not with scary music? It's but not a bad idea. The Would they accept those ads, right? Would they accept the ads? You don't have to accept it. But I understand your frustration. But know this, Julie. How interesting is it that CBS and NBC are all covering now the Hunter Biden situation, the whistleblower that came forward, the investigation into his background? I'm fascinated by the fact that other networks, in some cases, are leading the charge. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. There's so much gratitude in what he's done for this organization. I think where our team is at, obviously Aaron's a, you know, up there in age and has, you know, I don't know, however many years he has. I think he's got some really good football left in him. But uh, I think for us, it was just uh, as we got through the offseason and started talking about where we wanted to go, this made a little bit of sense for us. And that is the Packers general manager saying he's got to go. And evidently he did say that I want to get on the phone with him at the end of the year and see if we can work it out. But he did not do it. Remember, he, Aaron Rodgers a little bit different. He wanted to go into a period of darkness to think about whether he wanted to play in who for. He ends up with the Jets official yesterday after a 40-day standoff because they couldn't agree on compensation. Ian O'Connor joins us now, former New York Post, uh, writes for the New York Post, Daily News. Former, not with the New York Post anymore. Okay, ESPN sports columnist, four-time New York Times best-selling author. Uh, Ian, welcome back. Hey, Brian, how are you? Good, Ian. How much of Aaron Rodgers is left? And in analyzing the trade as you know it, who got the better of the deal? I think if you know, ask me that question in a year, right? And, and I, I think I've said this on your show before, and Jets fans hate when I say this, but that franchise has not been to a Super Bowl since – Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon. So if the Jets go to the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers, they, they win the trade without question. If they don't, they lose it because that's what it's all about, trying to finally win a championship. And they gave up a lot. So if next year the Jets go 9-8 and eight or 10-7 and seven and lose in the first round of the playoffs and Aaron Rodgers retires, they really lost this trade. But if, if they could somehow get to a Super Bowl or maybe even win it, then they won it. So I think, really, that question needs to be asked this time next year. Uh, how do you think he's going to deal with the New York press? It's a good question, Brian. I, he's obviously an eccentric personality, but we've had plenty of those in New York in the past. And you know how it goes uh, living in this area. If you win, everything else is fine. If you don't win, then it's a problem. So I think – it's all going to be determined by the success of Aaron Rodgers or lack thereof. I suspect he will be reinvigorated by this trade. Now, remember, last year was a bad year for him and the Packers. He did have the bad thumb, and that affected him for, for much of the year. But two of the last three seasons, he was MVP of the NFL. So I, I think this trade will will provide a resurgence for him. I think he'll play at a high level at least for one year. I think the Jets will be in the playoffs. What they do once they get there, I guess we'll find out. Is the, Far- the fact the Favre experiment did not work in New York, where Favre go to Minnesota and did great after getting traded from Green Bay. So do you think that has anything to do with how this might play out? It's interesting because I think the Jets 
were sort of burned by that trade because Brett Favre only played one year, and he clearly wanted to move on to Minnesota as quickly as he could. I think to give up a what likely will be a first-round pick to Green Bay next year, the Jets must have gotten some sort of assurance from Aaron Rodgers that he is committed to playing at least two seasons. So having gone through that with Brett Favre and getting burned with the one-and-done career that he had in New York – I have to believe, and we'll find out here pretty quickly, that Rodgers told them, listen, I can't guarantee it, but I am almost certain that I will play in New York at least two seasons, and I won't go anywhere else. I will retire a Jet. So I I think they needed to hear that before they gave up that first-round pick. So Rex Ryan on ESPN, he was a very successful Jet coach, remember two AFC championship games, said this. So I think the Jets, they're definitely in the playoffs. Do they win the division? I think they do. And, and by winning your division, you've got a great chance uh, to, to win it all. you just got to be hot. You've got to be able to play defense. You know, when the snow flies and the Jets can do that, I think they're, this is the best chance the Jets have probably ever had of winning a Super Bowl. So, uh, I mean, he, he likes to say sensational things, but – I know he also pulls for him. He's got a tattoo. He had a tattoo of Mark Sanchez. I don't know if that's still there and how much that's worth today. But they were 500 there without him. They had that slide at the end. And the Jets have a situation where I think two of the last three years they had a number one pick and high up, and they drafted a quarterback, and both seemed to bust. What happens to last year's number one pick? Well, uh, listen, uh, Zach Wilson is the guy here who everyone is going to look at and see ultimately as the number two overall pick in the draft, what becomes of him now as Aaron Rodgers' understudy. It's, it's been a, a bizarre early uh, part of his career here in New York for Zach Wilson had to bring him young. So I, I just don't know where his career goes from here. I think it's hard to believe that Rodgers would play two or three years and all of a sudden Zach Wilson would be un, unearthed again and become the starting quarterback. I mean, that's the way it used to be, Ian, when we grew up. You know, you draft a guy and he waits. Once in a while, right. Dan Marino yeah. comes out of college and he starts almost right away. But that was an yeah. aberration. But now it's like, no, no, we got to get him in. Well, Aaron Rodgers actually sat a few years behind Brett Favre in Green Bay. Yeah. And he was a first-round pick. So that, that used to happen all the time. And now, of course, like everything else in society, it's instant gratification or else. So, listen, it's not going to matter if Rodgers plays at a high level for the next two, three years. That, that is the Jets fans' uh, ultimate hope that he could do that. And they got to keep him healthy. So Thursday night when the NFL draft, the first round unfolds, expect the Jets to take an offensive lineman who can help protect Aaron Rodgers and keep him on the field. Unbelievable. Uh, Ian, in the big picture, you know Belichick, you, you know that uh, the organization well. They are in turmoil. So Mac Jones has not gotten a blessing to be a quarter uh, to be the starting quarterback. You know they got this latent rivalry with the Jets. The Jets haven't really held their their end of the bargain, but they always seem to play each other well. How does that sit in the division now that the Jets got this quarterback? Well, I still think Brian. I disagree with Rex Ryan. I, I still think Buffalo is the team to beat with Josh Allen at quarterback, and uh, until proven otherwise. And I think the the Patriots, the Jets, and the Dolphins will will be in there fighting for second place in a wild card position in the playoffs I think the Jets will make the playoffs I think they'll be a wild card team I think Buffalo wins it Belichick with Mac Jones he's now brought in finally uh, an offensive coordinator of distinction and Bill O'Brien last year obviously the Patriots did not have somebody running that offense who who had any experience doing that so I think the Patriots will be better this year but I would suspect that the Jets make the playoffs in second place out of that division as a wild card and hey if you get hot at the right time you can win 
a championship as a wild card. So I don't think that's a terribly difficult proposition for them to navigate. Interesting. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. And we'll see. I just can't imagine Belichick having another year at 500 and then maybe not uh, telling Bob Kraft or Bob Kraft telling him, I think we'll make a change. What do you think? You mean a, a change at, at the position of head coach? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that would be something else. I, I cannot You think I'm crazy. That. Well, I, I just think he's right now, he's arguably the greatest coach of all time in the yep. NFL. And to not let him go out on his terms, I, I think that's a – Man, that's really hard to see. But I, I know Robert Kraft is getting impatient now. Post-Tom Brady, the Patriots haven't been nearly the same winning machine that they were with Tom Brady. So he's getting impatient. But I cannot see Bill Belichick ever getting fired. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. I guess stranger things have happened. But that one would be pretty strange. At the risk of being too New York-centric, while on a national show, Saquon Barkley said, I'm happy for Daniel Jones, but what about my money? He doesn't want to play. And you and I would never play for $10 million. We know that. It's just not enough. But he <laughs> says, I will never play for $10 million. So I, what's, what's going to happen here? He's been franchised, right? Well, some yeah, and some of your listeners probably aren't devoted NFL fans, maybe don't know this. But when you and I, when we were growing up, running backs actually mattered in the NFL. More than anything, now, yeah. Now it's all about the quarterback. So a quarterback like Daniel Jones – who's a second-tier player, is getting $40 million a year. Saquon Barkley, who is one of their best players and one of the best running backs in the National Football League, has to settle for $10 million. It's kind of crazy. Saquon is a better football player than Daniel Jones, and yet he's going to make $30 million less. So that's just the way the game has evolved over time. It's all about the quarterback, and that's why Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is such a big deal. Lastly, you uh, did the book on Jeter. And I don't know if you saw that thing. I think his name is David Sampson, president of the Marlins, just ripped into Jeter. He said it was opposite day George Costanza. Everything I did, he tried to do the opposite, and it all failed. He basically is where he belongs, sitting on a couch, eating Subway sandwiches. I'm not used to legends being talked about like that. How about you? No, and, and that was a rough assessment, but not entirely inaccurate. Jeter did not succeed as an executive with the Marlins. There's no question about that. And when things weren't working out, he sort of picked up his ball and went home. So here, when, when you get fired or replaced, you're going to root for a lack of success with the successor of the person who basically fired you. And that's what David Sampson was doing there <laughs> quite publicly. But it's hard to argue that Jeter was a success as an executive. Now let's see how he, how he does as a broadcaster with Fox and, and going forward. I think at some point it's possible to see him in the Yankee organization down the road. Uh, but um, whatever he does at some point, I think it will lead to success. I just think that was – he walked into a really difficult situation. He's not used to having – not having the best resources as he did as a, as a player with the Yankees, and it just didn't work out. Right. Uh, Ian O'Connor always works out when you come on. We're going to tape this. We're going to play it back. Jets will come in second, make the playoffs. Allison, make sure we don't lose this tape, okay? We're going to see how smart Ian actually is. In uh, ESM, are you with ESPN now? Uh, no, no, I am a, a independent full time author as of about a week ago. Oh, congratulations! About <laughs> time, four time New York Times bestseller. Like yours, so I have to I have to figure out what you're doing to to actually match that at some point. <laughs> well, you figured it out, Ian O'Connor. Thanks so much. Back in a moment, uh, simulcast with Stuart Varney next. Newsmakers and newsbreakers here at first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. 
Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Brian Kilmeade, thanks so much for listening. We're uh, going to go on FBN in a matter of moments and uh, with Stuart Varney, as we do each and every week. Last week, I missed on Tuesday. I was out in Florida, back here now. You know that horrible place, Florida, that Donald Trump suddenly doesn't like until... Uh, him and Ron DeSantis are done sparring, then he'll love it again. So we'll discuss that. Also, President Biden, it's a big day for him. Look, he's going to run for re-election. Clearly his last election ever has to be. And he put out a tape rather than have a big press conference or a rally. I'm not sure that's ever the intention or if that's ever the right thing to do, for especially because we're used to big rallies with uh, the previous president of the United States. Let's listen in together. President Biden's officially announced his re-election campaign, regardless of the opponent... Do you think that the Biden-Harris team can win? I mean, it's possible when you see John Fetterman win, who basically, uh, sadly, lost the ability to talk and campaign. And when you have the president of the United States not doing any interviews, not doing any press conferences, saying um, his basic message is, I'll record it and let you play it at home on your VCR. I think that that will will win or lose. It could win because he's going to try to do in a, in a very cartoonish, bigger way what Barack Obama did to Mitt Romney. Make Mitt Romney seem unelectable. And that what he's going to do is say, you don't want the January 6th guy, do you? Remember last time? Remember what he did last time? A MAGA extremist? And that's what he's going to say. He's not going to say, look what I was able to do for four years. And I can do even better the next four years. He's going to say, don't look here, but look at the other guy. That's what he will say. But he's got a huge problem here in that of his vice president, Kamala Harris. Are we going to go from, for six years with an 80-year-old octogenarian president with a, a vice president in whom the country has no confidence? That's, the, the country is in danger at this point, isn't it? That's my position. I mean, my thing with, with the vice president is she doesn't put the work in. And she can't keep a staff because she's evidently awful to work with. What do you think would happen with? if she becomes the president all of a sudden? What happens? What do you think the Russians do or the Chinese do? It's scary. Yes. And, and the thing is, the, the deal was, is that the vice pre- the president, when he became president, he was going to have such a great staff and a, such a great vice president, they could easily point to the fact and say, hey, listen, you know, if yeah. things worse comes to worse, I got the next generation right next to me. Instead... Because he pigeoned himself in, it's got to be a woman, and it's got to be a minority. And with all these others just dropping out, uh, leave me out of this, it was Val Demings or Kamala Harris. And he made the wrong choice. Val Demings was a legitimate police officer, uh, impactful lawmaker, wonderful speaker, whether you agreed with her syllable or not. And he made the wrong choice with Kamala Harris, and he should have known. She did not. She had so much money in the bank, but yet she had almost no staff left. And didn't make it even through one primary. He should have known this. All right. Can I change the subject completely and yes. talk about something that you know a lot about? Aaron Rodgers. Okay. He's gone from the Packers to the Jets. As I understand it, you sort me out if I've, got a, if I've made a mistake here. Now, who got the better trade here? The Packers or the Jets? Well, here's the conventional wisdom. Just spoke to Ian O'Connor, of, uh, formerly of the New York Post, best-selling author, great writer, and uh, Jay Glazer last night. It's all about Aaron Rodgers. Here's what I mean. If he has an average season, 
and decides to retire at the end. The Jets got a, bad de- uh, got a bad deal. But they have a conditional pick next year, which means if he doesn't start 60% of his games, they get a number two pick. If he does say so start 65% of his games, they, get a no- they have to give up a number one pick. But here's the deal. The Jets have the framework to win. They're 500. They were on a roll until they had a few key injuries. Rodgers comes in here with something to prove with his offensive coordinator that he had on the Packers in Nathaniel Hackett. So he loves the guy. They got a wide receiver that he likes from the Packers, too. They got a promising, they have a, a promising one on the roster, and they got a great running back. So they do have the framework, and Rodgers got the sense that he's got something to prove. He's the brightest quarterback in the league, but I just don't know if he can handle the New York press. You know, the same question every day, asking you everything before you get in the shower, after you get in the shower, when you go to a restaurant. That doesn't happen in Green Bay. You know, once okay. a week, that's it. I am totally confused by that answer, but I'm sure most of our audience does understand it. I've got got 10 seconds for you to answer this question. Who do you like for tomorrow afternoon, Man City or Arsenal? I would say Man City because I always love teams owned by Middle Middle Eastern sheiks. Well, that was about six seconds, and it wasn't very good either. Uh, I'm all about Wrexham. Wrexham is the number one team in the land now. Uh, whatever you say. All right, Brian. Stick to football, okay? Brian Kilmeade, though, he is all right, and we do like him. We'll see you next time around. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the hour. All right. Uh, a couple of minutes left uh, in this hour, but just to, I know we're talking a lot about Aaron Rodgers, and if you're not really in football, just know this. He's the State Farm guy. He's the guy you're going to see. You know how you see a lot of Shaquille O'Neal? You know how you see a lot of Michael Jordan, or you certainly see his ads? You know how you see a lot of these uh, great athletes like Charles Barkley? That's what Aaron Rodgers is. He's his personality. John McEnroe, he's a personality. So that's why I feel comfortable talking about it on a national general talk show because he's a personality who makes waves, who goes against, who's downstream. The guy does yoga, um, does psychedelic drugs, I think. Uh, He also doesn't get vaccinated, calls himself inoculated. He just gets under the skin of most people and pushes enough where he becomes an idol to other mavericks, heretics. But, man, can this guy play? The other thing is, I'm one of the rare people that doesn't hate when it comes to sports. I grew up a Giant fan and a Met fan. But believe it or not, hold on to something tight. I don't hate the Yankees. I don't hate the Giants. I like the Nets. Always grew up a Nick fan. I, I don't know if that's possible or if it shows a personality defect. I have trouble hating. But I've always find it intriguing as teams are built. And I do find it intriguing that a quarterback will learn a new offense in a brand new city and a brand new franchise at the age of 38 years old when usually these quarterbacks are retired. The guy's going to be playing 39 years old. He's got to be playing at 40 years old. They used to be unheard of until Tom Brady came along. I'm Brian Kilmeade. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Watch me tonight at 8 and Saturday is at 8 o'clock as well. Uh, Exciting shows coming your way on the Fox News channel. Uh, Don't move. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Bottom of the hour, Mark Penn will be joining us. It'll be great. one 408 What I really love about him 
He does the Harris polls. He does the math. He also has the experience. Yeah, Bill Clinton hired him, and Hillary Clinton didn't bring him back the second time because they think that he was too conservative. A lot of people did not like that he recommended things that would be successful that weren't necessarily liberal, and that's why Bill Clinton was a much more successful president than almost every other Democratic president, including Barack Obama. He had the personal transgressions, no doubt about it, but the guy made deals. Mark Penn was a part of that, knew when to, cut, knew when to do them. We know the President of the United States uh, has a big day today. He's going to meet with the South Korean leader. My goodness, when you see China's threat, when you see how Japan feels threatened, how North Korea is always seemingly on the march, South Korea, extremely important ally. And now, when that leak comes out that shows that South Korea was being pushed to give weapons to Ukraine, and they were reluctant to, I'm wondering why. And if that is a point of tension between us countries. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Do you regret attending the gala last month and taking photos with a suspected CCP agent? Today, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer refused to answer our questions amid mounting scrutiny over his appearance last month at a gala alongside suspected Chinese communist government agent Harry Liu Zhenhuang. Wake up, Chuck. The China threat is everywhere as photos emerge of Chuck Schumer awarding China enforcer and spies with awards and accepting contributions. Also, China's war of words because we want to box them out of AI, they claim. Number two, if you look at the evidence of what all the Biden family has gotten away with thus far, uh, there are very few third world countries that would allow their leaders to get away with the things that the Biden family has gotten away with. The Hunter's World controversy envelops the son and soon his dad as his ill-advised personal transgressions. Kid out of wedlock with a stripper. Come back to plague him. He'll be in court and his family. What it means for the Dems and the Biden family and how his lawyer is fighting back. Number one. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America, and we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. Really? Okay, uh, it's on. Joe's going to give another go at making becoming president for another four more years. He'll be just 86 years young. Nothing alive, uh, nothing elaborate, nothing special, no rally, just a tape. That isn't particularly good in my estimation. I'll let you decide. Meanwhile, Governor DeSantis sharpens his foreign policy skills and bona fides as he goes to Israel, Korea, and Japan. And we'll get started there. So Governor DeSantis came out pretty strong yesterday. He was on with Sean Hannity. Got the time change. It's always a bit of a challenge. But he was asked, too, about uh, China and the China threat. He was asked, too, about when he was going to run. And he says he'll make a decision shortly. He also wants to make sure he's allowed to keep his job as governor and run for president should it not work out. Right now on the books, you got to make a decision. I think that's a decision that Jeb Bush was made. But this morning we woke up and found out it was embargoed to 6 a.m., a tape that showed five minutes long why Joe Biden wants to be president again. It is not particularly strong. Cut one. Freedom. Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red or blue issue. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally. And that All everyone right, you is- got it. I mean, number one, I know he's 90. I mean, I know he's 80. But I've heard him speak with a little bit more authority. Have him redo it. It sounds like he's sleepwalking. It doesn't make any sense to cut it like that. 
Maybe he realizes that 26% of the country says he should not run again. Maybe he knows he's got, on average, 41% approval rating. And maybe he knows that the number was 75% approval when Barack Ob- among Democrats when Barack Obama said he was going to run. Clinton had a bit of a scandal at 50%. Trump had 73%. And then Biden, only 38% of Democrats. His hope is that people are so afraid of Trump or dislike Trump that they won't vote for him, that they'll vote for Joe Biden again. Here's Britt Hume after hearing that tape. Cut four. An incumbent president's own party saying they don't want him to run. Um, and, of course, the reason I think he feels like he's got a real shot if he does run is that the situation in the other party, for, from their point of view, is nearly as grim. It is a former president who a majority of the country does not want to see run again. So we have the prospect, Brett, in a year which I think, you know, huge numbers of people think is a very important uh, presidential election, uh, about apparently to field candidates uh, that people don't want even to run, let alone to have become pre- have become president. So this is quite something. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it. Yeah, because if you think about it, it's if you think of the big picture, say, well, why is it that only 5% of the country want to see a Biden-Trump rematch, but it looks like it's inevitable? Even though I know we have a lot to play on the Republican side. Tim Scott, Mike Pence, not even in yet. Governor Sununu, not in yet. Governor DeSantis, not in yet. Nikki Haley, so competent and good, but not making big strides in the polls. So it looks like it's going to happen. Why? Because the most conservatives and the most liberal are in each party. And guess guess what's getting bigger? Independents and moderates. That is growing. People saying they don't want to be affiliated with a a party, leaving the most fervent, most conservative and the most liberal behind. So therefore, you have extreme candidates and people say, let me pick the least extreme. Now, they're trying to label Trump an extremist. January 6th is the biggest thing the president has to overcome. But as a legislator, as a president, he's got a lot to run on. Now, the whole thing with Hunter is interesting because now Hunter has a uh, IRS investigation that also involves gun charges investigation that the FBI says was completed, that the DOJ and and the uh, DA here in Delaware says is done. But so far, they're still investigating. And then you have the IRS investigators say, listen, this is all politics. They're lying to you in Congress. I'm going to be a whistleblower. And many people are not run. Not many people are running to President Biden's defense because it could go back to him. They point to many business transactions that could have affected policy when the president was vice president and then when the president was president, as in now. Does that have anything to do when they came out to sanctioning individual oligarchs? The two oligarchs he doesn't sanctions are the one that his son had breakfast with. CEFC, a Chinese energy company, 12 of his family members reportedly by bank records indications says that he, 12 of them, they all benefited financially from that purchase. And by the way, the energy company is defunct and affiliated with the Chinese government. Cut 19, Congressman James Comer on the investigation. Cut 10, rather. I don't think that uh, Attorney General Garland ever dreamed that Republicans on the House Oversight Committee would have access to those bank violations at the Treasury Cabinet, much less bank records that show uh, all the different schemes that the Biden family had with respect to countless LLCs transferring money from one account to the other to try, in my opinion, to hide the source of where the foreign wires were coming from and then to deceive the IRS about the taxability of those 
direct deposits from our adversaries around the world. Uh, one thing that I think Merrick Garland is going to have to deal with with all this is it's not just the president's son. It's not just the president's son and the president's brother. It's the entire family. And and that's what he's pursuing. And he's doing it steadily. You know, when they first got the job and they won by four seats, everyone said, get started. And they said, well, no, you got to name a speaker first. Well, that's quick. Well, it wasn't. It was 14 rounds. It was over three days. And he can't do anything until you set up a speaker because then you got to set up the chairmanship. Then you got to put uh, people in committees. So everyone said, wow, Comer's really getting off to a slow start. Well, he couldn't do anything. What do you want him to do? But now that he's doing it, getting the bank records, he definitely seems like he knows what he's doing and what he's going for. Now, some of the things that uh, what I care most about, I, Hunter, we all know people hooked to drugs. They do terrible things. His is caught on tape on his laptop. That's not the point. You got to be failed at it. He failed the drug test, got kicked out of the military in one day. That's not my problem. Who's buying his paintings and trying to influence the presidency? That, that bothers me. And how Joe Biden might have benefited and altered his foreign policy so he could get richer and his family can get dollars. That bothers me. Now, you watch Jake Sullivan got a question yesterday. I don't think it was from our reporter. It was on radio. And he got a question yesterday about what did you do in Ukraine with this gas deal? Uh, did you play a role in in uh, this gas deal with the U.S. when you were in the, with the previous administration, with the Obama administration? Mike McCormick says that Jake Sullivan set up shady gas deals with Ukraine, that he was the he was the stenographer and he witnessed it. He said the guy is is corrupt. Barack, excuse me, Barack Obama. No, not Barack Obama. Joe Biden is corrupt. And remember, not slapping sanctions on the two Russian billionaires. Number one. A $50 million gas deal with the Ukraine was signed by the U.S. government. Did the president get a kickback on that in any way? These are questions that should be answered because he was the one who urged them, and you had your your son sitting on the board. This matters. Now, Abby Lowell has had it. He's going to be a pit bull for Hunter Biden, who I imagine is finding a way to pay him. A pit bull. He's going after Garrett Ziegler, who allegedly acquired these SARS, which are suspicious activity reports, and published them. He claims that that's not good and legal. He also says the Office of Congressional Ethics, he's filing a grievance against Marjorie Taylor Greene for being too aggressive and unhinged, using unhinged rhetoric against his son. Here's a quote. Ziegler had used Biden, SARS, and other financial credit to craft a false narrative that Mr. Biden associated with the human trafficking ring. No, I will say this. Your problem is that you're not acknowledging any of these things, and I think that you're not coordinating with the president. The president wants this to go away, understandably. But along the way, to make it go away, you can't raise the profile of the incident. Now everybody knows how many SARS there are with Hunter Biden's family around it. Everybody knows because you made it a big deal. Everybody knows that the laptop is real and it's Hunter's because you're suing the guy on the repair shop for letting it out and getting publicity on it. So they have an aggressive attorney. Maybe it's going to help Hunter Biden. In the short term, it's hurting Joe Biden. And I think we're going to be on this show and hearing about conflict of interest and also hearing on this show about the whistleblower and what he has said. Mark Penn in 10 minutes, but your call's next. 1-866-408-7669. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. We did not touch on a few things that I think are worth talking about. And that is uh, and that is uh, the situation with the Chinese, what they're doing in New York City with their police stations and how many other Democrats have gotten donations from Chinese spies without knowing it.
Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. This is a real issue, and it's not just Joaquin Castro raising it in you know, 2019 during the primaries. It's a question that gets raised every time we see him. This visit he had to Ireland, for example, the footage of him visiting with the uh, embassy families at the fire station is painful to watch. You know, he has his son at his elbow to say, Dad, now it's time to work the rope line and repeat the question that the, that the president somehow can't figure out. It, it, it's a real issue. When you're the Democrat incumbent president and you have lost the New York Times, which editorialized this weekend that he was way too old for this job, you've got problems. And, and that problem is not going to go away. Anybody who thinks that Joe Biden is going to get better on his feet mm-hmm. and look younger and look more focused and disciplined between now and November is kidding themselves. No, I think he is. I think he's really going to come on. I think it's just a matter of eating differently and changing his diet and uh, I just think he's had uh, – I've never seen anyone age in the office quicker. And he went into the office office old. Steve, listen on WABC in New York. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, Brian. How are you doing today? Great. Uh, so real quick, what um, the committees need to do, especially Comers, is start bringing Merrick Garland before their committee to ask questions, along with Janet Yellen, to ask why were they stonewalling – on releasing the information from Treasury, did uh, Garland have anything to do with stonewalling the release of that information? Bring Jake Sullivan before the committees, asking him if he had any uh, interactions with the Biden family with securing uh, Ukrainian deals, and just keep on putting the pressure and putting the pressure. And then on the Armed Services Committee, bringing in Mealy and and, and um, the Secretary of the Defense is named Jason at the moment, but in questioning them about where the money is going with Ukraine right now, or have they been doing audits? Just keep on pressuring and hounding them the way they did Trump for four years. Right. Uh, only in a non-personal way. Just do it for efficiency. I would like to know what those audits are. No one's ever going to be uh, upset if you audit too tightly that you make people responsible. And part of the reason is I've I found out from people that are on the ground that we have about 20 special ops in Ukraine. They're following the weapons and they're making sure they're being used because they well, do have a history. You know, that was a fracturous country that broke out on its own and had their hiccups. But they're making sure. But now there's a monster surge about to happen. And we're about to see uh, this is going to make or break the support in the U.S. for the Ukraine. But I think you're right. Just make people accountable. But don't make it personal. And don't make it a don't make it a witch hunt. Just make it all facts based. That would be the big difference, Steve. Make it legitimate, a legitimate investigation. Don't just do it to trip up an administration and make them inefficient, like we saw uh, in many ways the first impeachment, and definitely with the Russia hoax in the beginning, because the investigations, when they become the number one thing, our country just stops. Everybody just stops. They get their lawyers. They make their speeches. And they try to convert a couple of people, and it never happens. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, But I think that's 100% true. When it comes to this election is you're going to be going against, if you are President Trump, you're going to outwork him. You're going to have bigger rallies. You're going to have a lot more emotion, a lot more passion. 
but the same passion that 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 gets people to vote for Trump gets people to vote against Trump. And Joe Biden will be the beneficiary of that. But what's crazy is President Obama's not even helping him out. You don't see Bill Clinton, even though he's a shell of what he was, he's a great advisor. He's got all this experience, like Nixon was a great advisor to Republicans and Democrats. You don't see anyone helping him out. I mean, I guess John Meacham helps out President Biden and says, you know, you're FDR. And I'm a fan of John Meacham, but he wrote a couple of his speeches, has a chance to be at the seat of power. And I think he's taken advantage of it to his credit. But nobody thinks that Joe Biden's making a lot of great decisions. I mean, where is he taking the lead on all these issues that he could say, listen, I stepped up in a time of crisis and we're ready to go. Even in the Sudan, 16,000 on the ground. A fourth embassy is just abandoned. China uh, looking at Russia moving through the African continent. And now we understand has their eyes on the gold in Sudan. My hope is Sudan would have a bit of national pride and say, excuse me, not yours. Hands off. Here's a little of the message that President Biden put out today. Cut three. Every generation of Americans has faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. And this is our moment. So if you're with me, go to JoeBiden.com and sign up. All right. So they say they got to ban books. You have to, to, to uh, be able to love the person you love and also raise taxes, uh, lower taxes on the rich. So that's what this fact check Biden is all about, what the RNC is putting out. They're going to take situations like that. They're going to fact check them. And ads are ads. They're meant to send a message. But it's up to Republicans and Democrats to make sure the message is somewhat accurate. So let's see. You know, Donald Trump's got his best team around him. I don't know who told him to rip Florida's quality. Not a good move. Florida's great. We'll see what happens next. Biden's in. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You know, the, the poll numbers, are you know, they're not what you want to go into a re-elect with in normal times. That these is are, an understatement. Yeah, but these are not normal times, right? So this is the, the, the electorate is still feeling very uncertain. If there was a Democrat out there who thought they could beat Joe Biden in a primary, they and thought they could do yep. better than Joe Biden in a general election, they would be running, and they are not. So they, there's very few guys or women that want to alienate the party so and blow their chance when they think their time is right if Biden's not going to step away. Mark Penn, president of the Stagwell Group and a past advisor to President Clinton and Hillary Clinton. Uh, Mark Penn, welcome back. Hey, uh, great to be on. Thank you. Hey, uh, of course, Harris Polls. Mark, what do you believe? The, Jennifer Palmieri, the former White House communication director, said if somebody else thought they could beat Biden, they would. They jump in right now. Obviously, they don't think it's RFK or Marianne Williamson. What do you think? Um, I don't think we're going to find out. Uh, I think that effectively this cuts off the primary process, puts the machinery of the Democratic Party and behind Joe Biden. I think the left is thoroughly supporting uh, you know, his renomination. Otherwise, they're generally the more likely source for a challenger in the Democratic Party. And I think that they said we're all in. We don't want to take a chance that somebody else would would emerge from this process. That's why I was surprised that Joe Biden moved it up from July uh, to now. Clearly, these polls were 70 percent said he shouldn't run, probably produced the, well, we better fill the vacuum, take over the party machinery and uh, 
basically become the nominee as quickly as possible rather than leave an open, unstable situation. So, Mark, this seems rushed to you. Uh, I definitely thought they were going to wait till July, see if he got his job ratings up, see how he was doing, you know, leave enough time for another field to come in if he wasn't going to run. And I think they decided the opposite. We're definitely running. We're not waiting to see anything. And we don't want to leave a fluid situation here, even at the expense of, you know, generally when you're running as president, you want to be as president as long as possible and not be a candidate. It seems, however, that candidate Joe Biden does better than President Joe Biden. And at least that's the history. And I think that's the direction they've gone in. Your polls, 56 percent of voters have doubts about his mental fitness. Sixty seven percent think he's showing he is too old to be president. Sixty three percent of voters believe that if Biden were reelected, Kamala Harris would wind up taking over at some point. For me, that's scary. Sixty three percent of voters say Biden should not run for a second term. Fifty five percent say Trump should not run again either. So only slightly better. So why are we going to get this matchup then? If it looks as though people overwhelmingly in almost every poll say we don't want it. Well, because it looks like the party structures are the controlling gateways, and it's never been so obvious or evident, you know, how rusty those gateways have become and how difficult it's become for new candidates to break through in what used to be, well, a little a little unseen race in Iowa and New Hampshire that you could pull off with not, without that much money, and now it's all a national race that requires you know, big funding, you know, early on. Uh, And so, look, I I think the Republican nomination is still open, though Trump has has improved. There's at least one or two, you know, potential challengers. And so I think you're going to have debates, you're going to have a you're going to have a race and you're going to have a challenge. I, I think that became a lot less likely on the Democratic side today. So, yeah, I mean, I want you to hear this ad. And just because you do this stuff, uh, I uh, I have certain opinions, but uh, I want you, you to absorb this cut, too. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America. And we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do, too. So he goes on. He, more freedom. People want to think about the pandemic. What, what part do you think was known more for freedom? And that was what, that, that's the nonsense Gavin Newsom was saying in Florida, which they were laughing at him in Florida. And Mr. Lockdown, talking about freedom, also banning books and MAGA extremists. These seem to be the terms that have been poll tested. Should they be used? Well, I think you see that that the, the Democrats in the Biden campaign are saying, you know, we did pretty well uh, in in the midterms. We're not going to talk about inflation, energy, immigration, crime, even health care. Uh, we're not going to talk about issues at all. We're going to talk about, you know, uh, threat to democracy, yeah. uh, the evils of MAGA Republicans. And, and in, in effect, you know, we're not even going to have presidential debates on the Democratic side. Maybe we'll have national debates. And so is this kind of politics going to stick? Is America going to get back to, you know, I always tell people, go back and watch the Kennedy-Nixon debates. Whether you liked Kennedy or Nixon, they were debates about the big issues confronting the world uh, with a different perspective. And it's, it's, it's rather sad that, uh, you know, the quality of debate and political discussion, the more educated we get, seems to have sunk down to, you know, platitudes you know, in a, in a, in a rather disheartening way. Well, not yet. Don't be that down, Mark. We haven't started yet. Maybe <laughs> July, it'll be a little different and a little de- uh, deeper. 
Uh, so we'll see. I, I also rewatched, I think it was Reagan Carter was interesting, too. They both let each other talk and capitalized on things. It was interesting. But, you know, Donald Trump changed the whole style of debating just on instinct, not that he even thought about it. Just said he knew all the opposition research of everybody on the stage. And he was able to attack them before they even attacked him. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens because he's attacking Ron DeSantis. But I find interesting because some of the stuff he says to Ron DeSantis is nonsense about Florida being basically a hellhole and that uh, Charlie Chris was doing much better. And um, that he did, uh, Ron DeSantis was crying, begging for an endorsement. Obviously never happened. But on the other hand, they're going on Trump. They didn't drain the swamp and build a wall. I'm like, that's a ridiculous argument, too. You were there. You know what he did to get that done and how much he got done and why. Well, look, I, I, I think that, that I think Trump is smart in terms of what he's doing to get out and kind of free attack DeSantis and try to reframe DeSantis. DeSantis has, has I think, drifted more conservatively in the last two months. And that did not work for him because really his supporters are older, more moderate Republicans, the kinds of Republicans that nominated Romney and McCain. Uh, And so it's an interesting race that will develop. I think the DeSantis campaign has gotten off track. They're going to have to do uh, a reset. I actually have some some thoughts about, you know, because otherwise, uh, unless DeSantis or Tim Scott, who who I think has had a, a good start, uh, and could be more, a much more formidable candidate here. Unless one of them takes fire and runs a race, it's going to be Trump against Biden, the one race that that overwhelming numbers of Americans are saying, please don't give me that one. Uh, that is true. And I guess Donald Trump had an re- official response to Joe Biden saying he's in the race. He said, you could take the, fo- the, you could take the five worst presidents in American history, put them together, and they would not have done the damage Joe Biden has done to our nation in just a few short years. We, with such a calamitous and failed presidency, it is almost inconceivable that Biden would even think of running for re-election. So obviously he is not going to be a supporter. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty clear. So it is game on. So... Do you see this rematch being any different from the from the uh, from last from 2020? Well, look, first, we're going to see whether or not we have the, the, the rematch. I think Biden now has a record and he's going to have to defend it. No president in the low 40s has ever gotten reelected. Uh, you typically need. So if he doesn't get his job rating up until the high 40s, you know, and in my polls currently, Trump is beating him by several points, you know, in a head to head. So so Biden does have something of an uphill battle, uh, remarkable as it is, given all of the negatives that are also uh, accrued. You know, look, America wants and needs a candidate that a majority of the country approve of. And so the problem with this race is somebody's going if it does turn out to be the two of them, somebody's going to win it. But neither one, I suspect, is going to get a majority and neither one will really, you know, bring the country together. Uh, It'll be uh, another four years of divisiveness. And look, it's going to be an incredible race. It probably will be the biggest presidential race of all time, whether it's these two or not. But it is shaping up to be uh, to be the rematch. How do you think uh, President Biden has done? Well, look, I, I. I can only tell you what the people think, and the people think that that economy, inflation, crime, 
immigration. They give him uh, job ratings on individual issues for almost all issues between kind of 38 and 42. And, and most people in the country, about 60 plus percent, think the country's going in the wrong track and is, on, is in the wrong direction. So in this case, you know, we used to have a term when I worked in Britain, clothespin voters. You know, people will be holding their nose, you know, in either extent and, and voting for one. But these are really significant negatives for somebody to run re-election and particularly to, to declare as early as he is. From your Democratic candidates, do they realize that? From the, your contacts, you didn't say candidates. Do they realize you know, what you I, said? I, I think that the Democrats preferred coalescing around a power structure that they know that they're comfortable with. I think the midterms, you know, because they were so close, even though the, the, the popular vote, if you add, add it up, was actually more Republican, so that gerrymandering actually worked against the Republicans uh, in, in an odd way, even though that's the case, I think the party today is, is, is united. They're going to go forward. They think it's not as much about the candidates anymore. It's about abortion. It's about the party. It's about, it's, it's about themes like freedom, uh, that they're going to run. Uh, I, I think that it's a very, very different view of politics and winning an election. And, and we'll, see, we'll see what happens here, right? We will. And, and just the abortion thing, is, is this something we really have been down that road before? I've not seen Republicans co- coalesce around a argument. And when Donald Trump said it's a state's thing, he got blitzed by Susan B. Anthony's society and said, if you say that, I will not support you. And then he backtracked. So you can't please both masters, can you? Uh, it, 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 is a, it is an issue in which the country is divided. The Supreme Court tossed it back to the country. But, you know, that's why I was very surprised Ron DeSantis, you know, signed a six-week bill when basically the national consensus is 15 weeks. To the extent there is a consensus that gets, you know, a majority support and is defensible and doesn't, doesn't really generate a political backlash it does seem to be about 15 weeks. Six weeks will generate a backlash because of the sympathy that people say, well, okay, in six weeks I might not even know if I'm pregnant. Again, I, I think that was a mistake on his part. It does maybe seem – yeah, it might help him in the short term, but maybe in the general it won't. We'll see if everyone's got a plan B. Uh, Mark Penn, thanks so much. Always great to talk to you. Thank you for having me. All right, listen, when we come back, we're going to find out there's indeed more to know. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Don't forget, I'll be on at 8 o'clock tonight. Hope you'll be watching on the Fox News channel. And, of course, we got our big One Nation show already starting to work on that 8 o'clock on Saturdays. In the meantime, here on this show, as we continue to watch what's happening with the president having it, I'm sure he's not going to have a presser because he never does, uh, with the South Korean leader. He's going to be going over to the Korean Memorial, pay tribute to those who lost their lives, uh, keeping at least half that peninsula free. Uh, we'll see if we get any type of press availabilities. The president of the United States is sending out messages uh, coming back, the former president of the United States sending out messages to counter the message coming out of the White House that they're going for four more years. And 78-year-old Donald Trump says the guy's too old. Let's get to and find out if indeed we need to know more. 
More to know. Sponsored by Spirits Capital Corporation. Barreled whiskey is the cash cow of industry insiders. But now you too can invest in premium American whiskey as it ages. Go to caskdeeds.com. C-A-S-K-Deeds.com to learn more. Paid for by Spirits Capital Corporation. All right. uh, The FDA says this. They are going to allow you. Health rules will allow for pet dogs in outdoor dining areas. It has been approved. Uh, That's a code that just went through. Dogs still aren't allowed indoors or anywhere else while food's being prepared. The exception is service dogs. Emotional support dogs are not. And that's a big source of confusion. Details of restaurants allow dogs. They can't get discriminated against them. About 23 states allow dogs outdoor patio areas of restaurants. I don't think you should have a dog on the inside. Am I right? On the inside, yeah, no. But what about, like, outside? Do you ever bring all three dogs when you're eating outside? (laughs) Um, I have not yet. Uh, That would be an interesting experiment. Next, Bud Light is suffering staggering losses, now up to 17% plunging in sales. Uh, They have fired or put on leave the vice president of marketing. They came out with that great idea to put Dylan Mulvaney on the cover of the can. Bud Light has suffered big time. The latest sales from Nielsen, uh, the Bump Williams Consulting, shows that Bud Light sales fell 17% in dollars, while volume dropped 21% the week of August, of April 15th, sharply ahead of the 6% drop in sales and 11% drop in volume that Bud Light had suffered during the week ending April 8th. The numbers are staggering, they say. The Mulvaney campaign has unleashed a torrent of negative publicity. When will it stop? Are people just done with it? I, I mean, I think I don't know if it's going to stop anytime soon, and I don't know what Bud Light can do, like, in the short term to make it turn What is around. our mutual friend Pat O'Rourke going to do, the stand-up comic who goes on every oh, stage with like a Bud Light. Light in his hand? He might switch to a different light beer. I mean, let's Or do you think he'll just do better off just quitting comedy? Maybe, or, or he'll start stealing your Coronas. Right, how dare Uh-oh. he? <laughs> let's see if he can get a Mexican sponsorship. Uh, the second Bud Light marketing executive placed on leave after the Dylan Mulvaney backlash. The name is Daniel Blake, who oversees marketing for Anheuser-Busch. It was reported Friday that another executive, uh, Alyssa Heidenscheid, was told to take a leave of absence. I have a sense that everyone signed off on this, and these are the fall people, don't you think? Yeah, I would think. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know how big companies run. Like Big decisions like this aren't made by like, one or two people. Right. But... I, have told, I make all my own decisions all yeah. the time. 100% of the time. Next, Molly Ringwald, who is still out there, is criticizing cancel culture as unsustainable. Quote, I don't think a Harvey Weinstein situation can exist now. But again, a lot of people have gotten swept up in cancellation. I worry about that. It's unsustainable in a way. Some people have been unfairly con- canceled and they don't belong in the same category as Henry Weinstein. What it ends up doing is making people roll their eyes. Ringwald, who gained fame in the Breakfast Club and 16 Candles, and said she didn't feel comfortable with the level of stardom she had at the time. It's hard to grow up under that. I don't want to overdo this. And boo-hoo, I really fully recognize my privilege, but I needed to get out from under all the scrutiny. I just wasn't cut out for it to be be that much of a star. Very honest. No, very honest. And actually, in an interview, Rachel McAdams, right, who uh, I think you talked about her armpit hair earlier or maybe last weekend. But... um, you know, she had six success in the notebook and things like that, but she left acting for a little bit too because she sort of needed to find herself and realize if acting goes away tomorrow, I'll be okay. I uh, I was Ben Franklin in fourth grade. Ah. Right? Played the lead, had to memorize all these lines. Did you have to wear a wig? And I had to retire. Um, I think I refused to wear a wig. Ah, your curls Pretty sure. Good I was enough. still back then. <laughs> um, but I have taken act off acting ever since. 
It just burnt me out, and I could not take the stardom. And is that why you took up dancing? No, I didn't take up. <laughs> no? I didn't take up dancing. Oh, okay. All right. San Francisco Target has put entire inventory on lockdown. You know how annoying it is to try to get a razor out of a, uh, out of a G- uh, C- uh, CVS? The whole, you got to see this video. The whole Target is locked down behind plexiglass. You need someone to open up to get a shaving cream or shampoo or who knows what else. And that's definitely hurting our bottom line. There's no running in there to grab a few things. It'll take forever. Tension Target. If you have to do that, leave. San Francisco does not deserve you, Target. You heard me. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.